I'm talking about something. I hope it's not. Or is it picking up on the mic? I barely. Oh, okay. Barely. I okay. might not have even noticed if you didn't say. Oh, but well. when you said, I we're getting we're, we're going to get interrupted anyway. So never mind. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready? Hold on. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. Hey, Jason. How are you? Good. Good. Let's uh, welcome to another Knock It Off show. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and uh, spending your time with us talking about all the nonsense that's going on in the media and reported by the news that we just take a look at and we're like, knock it off. (laughs) Yeah, so we're recording this in the evening of November 6th. And uh, yesterday was the first thing that we wish would be knocked off. The change off of daylight savings time back to standard time. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> back to standard time, the fallback. And um, we were chatting a little bit about this, um, you know, at the at the end of the last podcast and then mm-hmm. a little bit before this one. And um, well, why, why don't you tell them, Jason, you saw you saw a meme that kind of sums up our situation. Yeah, so I saw this meme. I, I should have saved it. I, I had to put it on the uh, the album art or something for this show. But anyway, the meme said something to the effect of, uh, "You know, we're uh, we're going off daylight savings time. Congratulations, everybody! You get an extra hour, except for parents of young children. You get nothing." Yeah, and that's <laughs> that couldn't be further from the or that that couldn't be closer to the truth or the actual truth. I mean, that hits you know spot on because as I was saying, I feel like every time we fall back, maybe about a day goes by and we're like, yeah, the kids will get to bed an hour earlier, which will actually be probably the time they should be going to bed, and um, you know we can stay up and clean up a little bit or you know watch a tv show start a series again or something and then the only fallback we get is after a day they fall back into their same routine and you know they're they're up late sleeping in late and um the only time that it really has any effect on them is when we spring forward and then of course that uh, and that's uh my daughter uh finley who's our special guest tonight wants some milky and uh, all right i am back all right and we're back should have been Um, about a minute kind of kind of a soccer minute we had a stop play time added in there to pour the milk (laughs) and put the lid on but should be pretty close to a minute we'll we'll pick yeah we'll pick that minute back up at the end of the the show so um yeah so daylight savings time i've got to say Okay, first of all, I grew up in Arizona. Arizona doesn't observe daylight savings time. So this, you know, I spent my formative years not having to deal with this nonsense. And uh, the older I get, the more I hate daylight savings time, even when you supposedly gain an hour. I hate daylight savings time with the passion of a thousand burning suns. Yeah, and if we had those thousand burning suns, maybe we could use one of them to extend the uh, light. But I always thought, um, I pulled up an article about this because, you know, and I feel like I do this every year. Um, It's kind of like a goldfish 
short-term memory but i'm like why do we do it again like because i always thought um and i think a lot of people do it's like oh the farmers you know they it gets darker late earlier so they wanted to extend the day and i'm like well that doesn't make any sense like you know farmers work for themselves they're not like punching a clock right so i mean what do they care the rooster goes cockadoodle do you get up and whether it's five in the morning or six in the morning like who cares like that never made sense to me and turns out that's an old wives tale it was actually i think first adopted um after uh, world war one um where they uh took it from uh, the same kind of system that they were doing in europe um and it was an effort to uh conserve energy which still doesn't make sense to me nothing i've ever heard about daylight savings time any justification or excuse for it ever made any sense to me um because I, I don't know how you're saving energy. It gets, especially when you fall back an hour, it gets darker even earlier. So if people, if it's getting dark at five and people are still going throughout their normal day and out shopping or running erring, errands or taking the family to dinner, they're still out like seven, eight o'clock. Yeah, I, I mean, basically every justification that I've ever heard for daylight savings time never quite made sense to me. The one that I think is maybe the most prominent is um, the farmers wanted it um, to, you know, extend their day, yeah. or add to their day, which never made sense to me because they don't have a, I always thought farmers are their own boss, right? Like you can get up and start mm -hmm. working whenever you want. The roosters cockadoodle do and you're mm -hmm. up and working. You don't have to wait till six to punch in. Um, but turns out it was actually after, oh, you said that too. You do say cockadoodle do. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> um, after World War One, um, the U.S. adopted it, based it off of a model from a few European countries that they were doing. And that was for an effort to conserve energy, right. which again, doesn't make sense to me because if it's getting darker earlier, and then you knock, you fall back and knock an hour back off the clock. Um, it's getting dark now at five as opposed to six. People are still going about their day, right? If you're going shopping. Yeah. You, you were sleeping. But yeah, I mean, you're going out to dinner, you're doing shopping. Um, so, I mean, lights need to be on for the roads, for signs at the store. So conserving energy, that doesn't make sense to me at all either. I, I think, uh, you know, when I looked into this before, I, I, I think, um, you know, the farmer thing doesn't make sense because the farmers work with sunlight. So it doesn't matter what the clock says. You know, mm -hmm. but I think that that was been a myth, um, but I think the idea, you know, was some some attempt to conserve energy. But it, uh, I, I've seen some some reports, I guess, uh, in the past um, few years or something that that indicate that it really doesn't save any energy. Uh, that it just shifts when the energy is used right so yeah 
um, yeah, it, it's at best. I mean, you're, you're still if, if you're you're at work, your office building, you know, they they still got to cool the office building, right? Or you know, in the summer because that's when daylight savings is. Um, so it's it's uh, it, there's I don't think there's any convincing evidence it is. It's just kind of been in a habit, and really the current daylight savings time. Daylight saving time uh, scheme has really only been in effect, I think, since 1966. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of started and they ended it and they started again and went with it in 66. There's been attempts to uh, to get rid of it. I know last year the Senate passed a bill. Yeah, that's the closest we've, we've been in, in a long time. I, I, I watched this because, like I said, I, I, I hate daylight saving time with, with uh, uh, burning passion so i when i when i see things in the news i get excited about it mm-hmm. uh, I, I live in new mexico on uh, the past few years a few years ago they tried to to pass a bill in in my state where they were wanting to get rid of it but it ended up not not getting through so that was that was my disappointment um the, the united states senate did pass a bill last year but the House of Representatives never followed up on it. I don't think they even voted on it, so it didn't even get to the president. This year it was reintroduced in the Senate, but no action's been taken. So it looks like right now uh, we're still going to consider or we're still going to uh, keep participating in what I call our semi-annual day of madness. Where we, we change these things. And, and there's really, I think, a, a very good case for... Um, getting rid of it is because um, when we go to daylight savings time, and I think this has been shown uh, and this effect is more pronounced when we switch to daylight savings time in uh, what March is that there's in the, in the couple weeks after the change, there's more car accidents and people mm-hmm. losing an hour of sleep. So they're more fatigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, it puts more stress on the body, so they see an increase of strokes and heart attacks. So yeah. daylight savings time literally kills people. Yes. <laughs> and what's the um? And I always botch and butcher words like this, but circadian rhythm, rhythm. Oh, circadian rhythm. Yes. Circadian rhythm. Thank yes. you. I knew I was going to mess it up, but <laughs> right when it popped into my head, um, there's been probably. Um, I, I guess I'll just speak from my experience. I be I've become more aware of research uh, that's been done on that and sleeping and uh, the effects that sunlight has on your body and it's mm-hmm. recommended to, you know at the bare minimum. As soon as you get up, if you spend five to ten minutes, like they you know recommend, grab a cup of coffee and go sit on your porch and sit in the sun, and that does wonders for you and your mood. And just your general overall health throughout the day. And, you know, I, I think about that research that's either starting to gain some traction or is just becoming more prevalent in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, that's, you know, just another notch on the side of getting rid of it. Right. Because, I mean, whether you're falling back or springing forward, there could be an argument made that both of those actually um, aren't that healthy for you losing an hour of sleep a night you know definitely not healthy you want to get you know your your six to eight um whatever the recommendation is nowadays Mm -hmm. um i think it varies by person by person but even you know like sleeping more 
Um, or if you're just in that natural rhythm, you wake up an hour earlier, you're tired an hour earlier, that kind of messes up your routine that you have going at home. So let's just get rid of it and throw back to an episode ago. Let's put that on the ballot and tie it in with getting rid of the standard nine to five, five days a week, 40 hour work week. Let's just get it all done in one shot. Uh-huh. With one stone. Yeah. No, I I think, you know, the, 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 the older I get, um, okay. I'll, I'll, uh, reveal to the masses. I'm, I'm 53, almost 54. Um, the older I get, the harder it gets for me to adjust, especially to the spring, uh, daylight savings time, losing that hour. The last couple of years have been really a bear for me too. And, and, you know, I've got relatively young kids, so, uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's part of the thing. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm getting up in the morning, trying to uh, you know wrangle wrangle some boys to to get them ready for school. Um, so uh, those 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 get it, it's getting. I guess maybe I just got less patience for it now. So let's yeah, get rid of that. Let's, that comes, let's yeah. Can we? Well, I, 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 I would. I'd be a one issue voter. If somebody, a politician came up and said, I'm going to do everything in my power to get rid of daylight savings time. I don't care what your tax policy would be. Um, I don't care what your foreign policy would be. If you commit that to me, you would get my vote. Um, And as long as you were successful, uh, I I wouldn't give you a second chance for that one, though. So I I think (laughs) I just came up with, uh, when you said that, because I was thinking it, the triple crown that any politician could run on <laughs> and just win in a landslide. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the 40-hour work week. Let's go okay. to four tens or whatever, whatever it is. Switch that up. Get rid of daylight saving time. Mm-hmm. Get rid of income taxes. Okay. That's it. You got my vote. You got you, yeah, my vote. I don't. I don't care what you where you stand on any other uh, within reason, any other issue. <laughs> you would. Uh, but if you're if you're a middle of the road type of politician, and those are the three points that you're running on, I don't care what war is going on where. I don't care what the national deficit is. Yep, and I don't care about the basement either, Finley. <laughs> you, you bring those are your three issues your you know your issues you're hanging your hat on you got my vote let's let's rally around that um okay so so speaking of, of things that kill people mm-hmm. uh, i see this thing of, uh, of what would happen if a super volcano in yellowstone were to uh explode um this article here in um, the UK uh, Express says that 90,000 people would immediately die in a horror eruption oh, if yeah. the Yellowstone supervolcano occurred. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. Um, I saw this article and I bookmarked it because this is something that I heard about like years ago. Um, and I live in the Denver metro area in Colorado. And um, at the time when I heard about it, what I heard was if 
that volcano erupted, I was in the blast range. Like I wouldn't even know it. I'd be dead. Um, I don't know if that, that probably varies from, you know, some, which depending on which scientist you're talking to, or if it's like the actual super duper up eruption or, um, you know, a, a smaller one, but that kept me up a couple of nights just randomly. You, know, you wake up and you, you think about things, and I'm like, when is this volcano going to go off? And I forgot about it for years. Um, I listen, you know, a couple of times a week, uh, depending on the guest, to the Joe Rogan podcast. This is a topic that he brings up relatively regularly. Um, and every time he does it, I'm like, damn you, I had forgotten about that. And now, you know, you're tacking on another month of like random thoughts in the middle of the night when I wake up and I'm like, I wonder how that super volcano is doing. But, um, <laughs> what I thought when I saw this, I'm like, why are you bringing this up now? Um, you know, the, the, the article basically says that it's not likely to happen within the next couple thousand years. Yeah. But, you know, we got you know, as we've referenced and talked about briefly, where, you know, the world's on the brink of World War Three. We got all this stuff going on that we're worried about. Like, why tack on natural disasters? I just, I half expect, you know, an article about a comet, you know, coming to completely end the world, you know, and, you know, of course, with our orbit or something uh, to, to pop up next. I'm like, why are you stacking mm -hmm. on this on mm -hmm. us <laughs> out of our control when all these other things that are going on are more real are in our, you know, are also out of our control and ah, they're just trying to stress us out. Yeah. I love these, these sensational stories like this, that they throw out these, mm -hmm. Hey, if this natural disaster were to happen, uh, all these people would die. And so, you know, it gets your attention. Oh, what are the chances? And, you know, that, that could really, that, that would be horrible. A super volcano going off in the middle of the United States and you know, right? <laughs> thousands of people dying. And it ba basically would create a nuclear winter. And so, you know, maybe the, the, the first 90,000 to die might be the lucky ones because all the, the soot and ash would block out the sun. And, you know, that's kind of one of the theories about how the dinosaurs died, right? When, mm -hmm. uh, when the mm -hmm. get. And then, you know, you so you go through this this article here. And then the, <laughs> the very end of the article, I like this. Um, it says, while the after effects of a Yellowstone eruption would undoubtedly change the way the world works, the United States Geological Survey estimates there is around a... 0.00014% chance each year that the potentially catastrophic volcano would blow. So basically there's, there's no chance, right? Right. <laughs> so this right. isn't, this isn't anywhere on the list of things that are actually, um, and the agency goes on to say, here's a quote, there is no evidence that a catastrophic eruption at Yellowstone is imminent, and such events are unlikely to occur, occur in the next few centuries. <laughs> and yeah. thinking, so why did you make this a news story? Because, yeah. because it gets eyeballs, right? It gets eyeballs and clicks. So No, you're, so, you're absolutely right, and that's a great point. <laughs> so um, don't, don't go to bed. If you wake up uh, at 2 in the morning, um, Put the put the thought out of your head about the super volcano. It's yeah. It's an interesting theoretical possibility, possibly, but this is nothing to lose sleep over. So 
But I'm uh, telling you still, the day, way the okay. works in the middle of the night, I think the point zero 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 one four <laughs> chance, I'm like, so you're telling me there's a chance. A chance, right. Well, I, I'll tell you, you are much, much more likely to die of a heart attack or a stroke as the result of the daylight saving time switch than you are about to die <laughs> from the uh, super volcano explosion. Yeah, the country, no, so. that's that's absolutely fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I was saying, that, that's a great point. And I've, I've said before, it's usually, you know, it, it, what, what happened to journalism, right? That's what I think <laughs> where it's, it's become, we're in the, I think whatever the clickbait era, um, morphed or evolved into where these headlines aren't quite as sensational anymore, but they still are very misleading. Um, but then when you look back, you read the story and you look back at the headline, you're like, I guess technically that's not incorrect, but you definitely knew what you were doing when you wordsmithed this title together to make someone who read it said, what? Volcano's going to erupt? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It is the sensationalism and... Um, I, I still, all that being said, and the very, very, very slim chance of it happening, my brain isn't that rational. At <laughs> but it could still happen. <laughs> well, well, speaking of, of uh, more more natural disasters, and well, this one may be uh, supposedly a man-made disaster, right? We're, we're kind of... Uh, related issue is the climate change hysteria that we see here. And this is a a, a story that you will not see uh, anywhere that I'm aware of. I just uh, happened to, to see a link to it uh, through Twitter is that um, the Norwegian Statistics Bureau, so a branch of the government of Norway, uh, has concluded that the effect of man-made CO2 emissions does not appear strong enough to cause systematic changes in the temperature fluctuations in the last 200 years. So basically, the government of Norway has concluded that uh, that man-made CO2 is not the cause of so-called global warming or climate change. So yeah, that's- and... Interesting. Go ahead. Uh, take? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, that was it. No, that's an interesting take. I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. And um, one thing that, so, my first thought on this issue is that you see, it's funny how these things evolve. Um, I think. For most people, my experience for sure, um, the first time this was even on my radar was Al Gore, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Al Gore is a carbon footprint, whatever. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, 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 no, what am I doing? You know, I'm I'm driving my car and I'm leaving my lights on and I'm a terrible human being. And then, it, you know, time goes on and everyone's like, oh, this is this is something that makes Al Gore money. Of you know, of course he you know doom and gloom if that's what's going to bring the dollars in, um, but you know it depending no matter what side of the issue you're on on this, I think there's 
strong data points that you know support one way or the other i've always kind of leaned towards like you know we're probably having an effect on the temperature um no matter what degree you know if it's you know the percentage of the uh, temperature change even if it's like 0.5 percent that human man-made um emissions are, are having on it you know that's that's still an effect but you know that's a lot different than you know we're all going to be dead by the the year 2030 if we don't start using electric cars <laughs> one thing that i heard about this uh about co2 emissions and um global warming and all that is with the man-made co2 emissions right now um and i don't know we'll have to get the the meta or the uh, Twitter X fact checkers on this, but um, there's more plant life now on earth than there's been in the history of earth. And mm -hmm. a main contributor to that is the man-made CO2 emissions. Um, Cause what do plants do? They take CO2, mm -hmm. they turn it into oxygen. Um, so, you know, more CO2, more opportunity for more plants to take in that CO2 and, and turn it around into oxygen. So I don't know to the, uh, the extent to which that is true. Um, I think it is true that there's more plant life now on earth than I don't know if it's all of earth's history or, you know, within the last 10,000 or whatever the metric is that they, they measure that. But I've always been, myself a, a little bit skeptical about especially the mainstream media and that um talking point and uh narrative the extent to which our emissions are having on global warming mm -hmm. um i mean because you know everyone knows the ice age ten thousand years ago eleven thousand years ago whatever it is you know we know that the earth's um temperature over time gradually changes and you know where it's the earth's frozen over and then you know most of the earth is a rainforest it's a tropical paradise and um it happens whether we're here or not and i think we do have some effect on it but um more and more studies are are kind of cracking the uh, armor of the main narrative and coming out like this that are saying like eh, you know hold on i mean regardless we probably can do better with our energy um, and we probably could put more money into um, research for alternative means of energy and, you know, fuel mm -hmm. and whatnot. But I, I don't think it's as, as bad and as drastic as definitely, you know, some of the stories are out there about, you know, we're all going to be yeah, dead yeah. in 50 years if we don't. Well, it seems to me that whenever they suggest uh, solutions, that the solutions they suggest are really the opposite of help. Uh, mm -hmm. So, for example, these government mandates to switch from uh, internal combustion engines to electric vehicles, when uh, electric electric vehicles require batteries, which use the, the batteries that, that we have available, use uh, rare earth metals and mining mining these minerals uh, is much more harmful to the environment than drilling for oil. Um, they, yeah. These mines are, are 
incredibly polluting to the environment, harmful to the environment. Um, you know, these putting these wind farms all over the place. Uh, the wind farms, uh, they they have to to get these windmills to operate. They use an incredible amount of oil in in the in the windmill, mm-hmm. um, and so you're not you're not oil free with a with a windmill. Um, the 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 one thing that seems to be the most promising if you're trying to get away from fossil fuels would be nuclear energy, and cu- countries are, are going away from it, and the the hardcore environmentalists don't want uh, don't want us to use the cleanest, most efficient form of alternative energy, nuclear. So I'm skeptical about the whole thing uh, myself. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm not convinced that the global warming is, is an issue, is a man-made issue. And one of the biggest reasons I'm not convinced of that is because their solutions are the opposite of what you would need to do if it was really a problem. Yeah, that's and with the, with the electric cars and everything, I'd cobalt, um, mm-hmm. I know, is one of the main, um, uh, you know, uh, resources yeah, used yeah. uh, in, in this. And... The pollution and everything, and that's not even getting into the human rights issues, right? Um, right. With you know the slave labor that they use to mine this, and you know a lot, a, a lot I think is kind of glossed over, not even thought of, particularly here in America. Like you know our cell phones, you know <laughs> how much, pretty much everyone's cell phone, there's some sort of slave labor that's involved yeah whether it's 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 getting the actual metals um to make the battery and the phone operate and the computer chips and all that same thing with the electric cars and you know we big issues you know because it's or or a big topic that was brought out you know years ago the the blood diamonds you know that's a sexy topic you know because it's Mm -hmm. diamonds but um not not much is brought up about cell phones and i guess occasionally you hear you know about the the sweatshops and they have nets around the top of the building because workers are jumping off to commit suicide but you know not that's kind of an afterthought you know you got the new iphone and you're you know you're happy as you can be but there's not much if any thought at all put into the human rights issues that have been violated to get you that electronic Yeah. yeah Exactly. I'm, I'm going to use my iPhone to uh, post to Twitter about my complaints about the uh, environment. <laughs> so. Yes. All right. Well, we'll yes, talk about knock it off. <laughs> knock it off. Totally. Uh, so uh, one one other thing we wanted to uh, I think the, the final story will we'll wrap up here is uh, going back to volcanoes. Uh, Mike uh, Michael Wilbon explodes. I like that segue there. Um, Michael Wilbon rips the NBA in-season tournament. This new thing the NBA is doing, an in-season tournament. Uh, He calls it a stupid trophy in orange slices. I agree with him. My main take on this, this is a straight-up money grab. Yeah. Uh, When I first heard about this, I was – tardy to the party on this i have a 20 year old cousin who i'm telling her name her name's lauren she lives in massachusetts if anyone if any nba team out there is looking for a general manager she's 
your girl. She will call me about potential trades. Um, and I'm not talking just superstars. Like we're talking like bench 11th man type of, you know, trades. And she's like, well, they have the salary room to do this. And this is the piece that they need. So, I mean, she's like intertwined to the NBA, right? Um, that's, that's the NBA is her life. Um, she asked me a couple of months ago what I thought about it. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like this game, you know, with the the Nuggets won the championship here. That's was you know my main focus on the NBA, and um, th this story I guess you know escaped me, got by me somehow. Um, apparently, it's based off of the uh, European soccer leagues. Now, for their championship, they kind of do a round robin. Whoever has the most points wins. It's not a straight up tournament, but within okay. the season they have a tournament um in their own however i'm not well versed in soccer but you know however it's mm -hmm. set up the leagues or the conferences or whatever they may be have a tournament to determine a champion of that league um so the nba kind of based it off of that but this mm -hmm. last week when the tournament started you'll notice that there's brand new jerseys for the NBA in, you know, tournament, um, I get notifications from the Nuggets when tickets are available and um, they're basically doing cheap tickets to, you know, sell out the arena. Um, regular season games were $40. This tournament, uh, you want to go to one of those games, $100, $120 for some games. So, I mean, this is, this is just a money grab. This is kind of... What I equate this to, Jason, is um, the UFC slapping together an interim title fight. Yeah. Right? Um, you want to put something on pay-per-view. You don't really have the star power or whatever, you know, to, to carry your card. Boom, let's do a BMF champion. Let's do an interim championship. And, you know, that, that way is to kind of bolster, bolster – uh, sales and justify putting it on pay-per-view and that's what this is to me but i i agree with will bond that this seems you won the nba in-season tournament like great you know good for you you don't win the championship at the end doesn't make sense like who cares yeah i, I don't think uh i don't think americans are gonna go for it um it, it may be an interesting experiment is it worthwhile you know is it gonna generate more interest in the NBA. I don't, I don't think Americans are going to get it. It's not part of our sports culture. Yeah. I know they're trying to make it part. I, uh, I'm skeptical. You know, I'm skeptical that it'll be become part of it because Americans want a champion, right? We want you to play out. We want you to, to uh, go through your season, uh, make, make your season count so you can place yourself to get in a position for the playoffs and then go through the playoffs and, and crown a champion. This the last team standing. Right, yeah. Um, that's what's ingrained in us. That's Yeah, that's the, the American culture for, for our sports culture. We're used to it. That's what we like. Um, I, uh, I'm i not going to guarantee this will be a failure, but I, I uh, like I said, I'm, I'm skeptical. So um, definitely I agree, kind of money grab, but, you know, the NBA is a business. I don't necessarily um, – you know, fault them for for that, trying to generate interest and maybe making some more money. But um, I, I think in a uh, inflationary uh, time period that we're in, that maybe 
this type of money grab is not in the best interest. You're pricing out. Now, I mean, professional the professional leagues are so expensive already mm-hmm. um, that it's uh, it's not. You know, middle America can't afford it already. You know, so um, you, you know, I'm talking because you and I both are are avid M- MMA fans. Mm-hmm. I think the worst of the worst is UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to be honest, my dad and I multiple times a year take a trip to Vegas or California mm-hmm. or something and catch a UFC fight. We get the nosebleed tickets. You know, sometimes it was $35. If it was, you know, an expensive one, it would be like $60. But, you know, hey, it's a good time. We, at some point in time, right around the Conor McGregor uh Nate Diaz fight. And actually it was that fight. It was initially supposed to be Conor McGregor and uh, Rafael Dos Anjos mm-hmm. hopped online. I'm like, let's get some nosebleeds. Let's go out for that fight. $350 for wow. nosebleed tickets. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Me too. The NH, I, I like, I'm a big uh, Colorado avalanche fan, but I don't live in, Colorado. So I mm-hmm. live in, in New Mexico. Uh, so what I close closest thing for me is to take a, a trip over to Phoenix. I've taken my boys. We we when the Colorado Avalanche were playing in Phoenix was, uh, against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, then we we ran over there. You know, got some tickets. And uh, this this past year, I wanted to do it again. And well, um, you know, the the year before. Uh, the Avalanche won the uh, the Stanley Cup, and mm-hmm. so this year I looked up what what cost me you know, the whole entire trip: tickets, a place to stay, meals. Uh, I rented a car; it cost me like five hundred bucks for the whole trip to take me and three boys. Right? Mm-hmm. It would have been uh, well over a thousand. This wow. past year, because they they hiked the prices so much, especially when the Avalanche came to town, which is the only team I wanted to see. Um, yeah, it was just I was like, no, it was like three hundred bucks a ticket, um, <laughs> and just That's for wild. for cheap seats, like for cheap yeah. seats. I was like, no, where you know, as much as like you know, but you can't you can't take your family anymore. It's getting getting crazy. I don't see how they can. Uh, I I don't see how they can sustain that. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe they, maybe they will. It's 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 wild. I always wonder that. Like, the math never makes sense to me. Yeah. They, you know, I I think about like you know my hometown, uh, you know, football team, the Denver Broncos, in season tickets. Um, if we're talking um, in the Broncos, if you if you follow follow the NFL within the last decade. Have been bottom of the barrel, right? Mm-hmm. Tickets, you know, are still well over a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. um, particularly when the season starts. Now, towards the end of the season, where they're not going anywhere and they're just trying to get warm bodies in the seats, you know, they may drop to like you know sixty. I think um, a couple of years ago, my buddy and I found tickets for uh, thirty-five dollars online that someone was selling it. And we're like, yeah, this is we'll we'll, we'll go see the game for thirty-five dollars, mm-hmm. but just you, you know. Long gone are the days where you could walk up and, you know, pay an extra 20 bucks, you know, get tickets from a scalper and and walk into the game. And, you know, your couple of tickets, you're spending 100 bucks, 120 bucks, you know, those are, yeah, those, 
Those have gone the way of the dinosaur and dollar-gallon gasoline. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there for this week. The one thing I just wanted to remind, uh, again, get on the record this coming weekend, uh, speaking mm-hmm. of the UFC, we mentioned the, the one fight. I want to get my prediction to to make sure that it's solid. I mentioned it on our last show, but the uh, fight, uh, in, the uh, interim title fight between uh, Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall will be on the card. And I have, I'm, I'm still behind my prediction that I originally made a year ago that by the end of 2023, Sergey Pavlovich will be the UFC heavyweight champion. It was looking shady when when uh, John Jones came back and uh, ended up getting the uh, heavyweight championship. And kind of was looking at it like he was going to throw off my timeline for that. But mm-hmm. the way things have worked out, Pavlovich is going to be fighting for the interim heavyweight championship. I say that still meets the requirements of my prediction. It's a championship. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll uh, talk this next week and uh, we'll, we'll review quickly that particular prediction. I'm still confident. We'll see how it goes. All right. We're we're gonna carve out about three minutes at the beginning of the show so you can gloat because that, that was a great prediction. <laughs> I um fully expect Sergey to win that fight. Um great card too. I mean they lost um a a huge fight in uh John Jones versus uh Stepe Miocic. Um but still, you know. You got the light heavyweight championship. That's going to be a, a head buster. Um, this uh, Aspinall and uh, Sergey going to be a head buster. So it still still turned out to be a great card um, to to put on. And like I said, we'll we'll dedicate some time right now at the beginning of the show for you to stick your hands up in the air in victory because I I fully believe that your uh, your long prediction is going to come to fruition. <laughs> Awesome. In fact, I think I'm going to go out with some buddies and we're going to catch the, they got a thing where you can go to a theater and watch the main car. Oh, nice. So I think that'll uh, be nice seeing it on the big screen. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still beyond my means to go all the way to Vegas and drop a couple grand to to go to a party. we'll, We'll see. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, times have changed. That's, That's no longer are the days of, you know, $500 Vegas trips if you're going to watch a UFC fight or even less, you know. Um, yeah, those tickets are bananas. Dana White, knock it off. All right, everyone. Hey, thanks for joining us, Kevin. Jason. Have a, have a good weekend. Uh, good week. We'll talk to you next weekend. Yes, sir. You as well. Thank you. <laughs>